so yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting in a land of continuous deployment. You obviously aren't going to do a retro after every release because that would be like half your job would just be retroing these very small things that just happened. Um, but I think anytime you're taking it, you know, something that's a, a big chunk, brand new feature, uh, you know, Gmail redesign, whatever the, the big chunks are, epics, if you want to call them that, uh, after that goes to GA, it's probably a good time to do a retro. Product Growth Leaders proudly presents the Business of Product Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with Product Growth Leaders. It's time for our topic of the week conversation. This week, we're talking about retrospectives uh, and the value you can gain from them. Today on the panel, we've got Jason Vincelet, Greg Fenton, Tom, Steve Johnson, and looks like we're going to have one more person joining. I just heard a doorbell. Air is Paul Hurowitz. And Paul Hurowitz, we're, we're going to be talking about retrospectives today. And I want to dive right in. Uh, Jason. Could you put some more words on that slide, please? Actually, I had to go to a second one. Retrospect has got a lot of words. I, 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 yeah. I appreciate that. Sorry, sorry about I, that. That was. I know. I had to a, give Greg his own page. That was that uh, was a that was a trigger point. <laughs> the, the the pain comes forward with that with that. Yeah, the, the, Greg got his own page. He had so much, and I and, and I'll be honest, it was very valuable. And uh, you know, Jason and John shared page one. Uh, with my little comment on John. John, welcome. Uh, but the question this week was, we recommend doing product and process retrospectives at least once a year. What is your approach to and timing of retrospectives? Now, we're going to go to Jason first. His is the top answer. But I have to give some context. Steve and I originally put, we recommend doing them at the end of the year. And Jason came out and said, you know what? For most product people, end of the year is tough because of uh, what we say here, right? There's a lot of Q4 stuff around releases and supporting sales and that type of stuff. He gave a little jab to product leaders who may think it's a good time to do it, but he looked at January. Jason, talk to me about, you know, January and that refresh. Is this is this sort of like your New Year's uh, resolution? Is to oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. January is a good, um, you know, people have a lot of maybe renewed energy for the you know, the year's roadmaps, you know, they've been looking at 2021 roadmap probably since Q1 2020. And, and now they're actually going to get to the point of you know, delivering a full year's worth of roadmaps. You got sales is like, oh, we have a full year of sales. We don't have to worry about until Q4, you know, so everybody's kind of fresh. There's less of a push usually in January unless something's come over from December. And so it's just a really good opportunity to say, Look what we you know what we do better this year than we did last year, and also what like they said in this, one of the other posts, um, you know what are some of the great things we did last year that we can continue um, to do well, or even um, you know even do better there um, as well. So it, it, it seemed like everybody's back from vacation; they have uh, fresh eyes, fresh attitudes, and it's just a better um, better time to start kind of implementing changes. However, from a, from a product standpoint, you know, from a product leader standpoint, you need to be thinking about what your January content is going to look like, even in November of the Q of Q4, Q4. 
I don't know, uh, Jason, you got me thinking, I think it's Patty LaBelle, everybody's got a new attitude, right? That's right. I totally agree with Jason on this. Um, I've found December's a dead month. Sales is trying to finish out a strong year, but everybody else, people are on vacation. People are, it's just a light month. And, but January, that's, you've, you've set your goals for the year. Um, you've set your roadmap for the next couple of quarters. Um, and now it's time to think, okay, you, you've had your runway going. You, you start, like Jason said, you started planning in November, December, what you're going to work on in January and February. But now it's, you can have time to, okay, how should we do things a little bit differently this year than we did last year? See, I, I get that to a point, but I also remember when I was a director of product management, January is when we had our sales kickoffs. So yeah. I was busy doing presentations and, and going to the European kickoff and, and that type of stuff. So it, it, you know, it almost seems like whenever there's always something going on. Steve, what's your take? Well, I'm the one who said, well, I thought we ought to do it in December. And then, you know, Jason, 30 seconds later said, Steve, you big, stupid jerk. You shouldn't say that. I may be paraphrasing a little bit here, Jason. Uh, but I, my real suggestion was not so much December versus January, but um, that you need to do it. And I find so many of the good hygiene that we're supposed to be doing as leaders just simply don't get done because of all the firefighting. No, it, it makes a ton of sense. And, and, you know, John, you talked about in your post, the second one here, you feel like you could improve on it, but you do on a regular basis, do a light one one. Talk to me about the lightweight version versus your, what you called the post-mortem. Yeah. So the, 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 uh, the lightweight version is after launches, my program manager and I will you know, sort of, uh, it's not a process. It's just something that sort of we decide we will do. Um, it's not like baked into how work gets done, which I think it should be. So we'll just sit back and like, mm -hmm. hey, what, what could we have done better? What went well? Maybe we'll grab the whole team, but I, I don't think we've done anything grabbing the whole team this year. Um, so it's, it's a, I would say it's a pretty big gap. The flip side of that is the postmortems that uh, are generally led by the engineering teams whenever something has been has gets broken um obviously when people break things at google a lot of people notice and so we do we have a very rigorous very defined process for going through after the fact um same kinds of categories what went well what went uh, poorly where did we get lucky things like that right um and then it's like sort of published broadly and and the whole team can learn from the, mis the mistakes and the, mm -hmm. the successes but we need to do a better job of that on things that don't break. It's interesting, John. I was listening to our, our conversation on tough decisions. And you talked about at Google how you almost had to convince people why you should keep doing something. I would, I would have thought that culture would have almost been more into a retrospective type, you know, why should we keep doing it this way? Shouldn't we always be sharpening the saw and, and improving it? I would have thought retrospectives would have been a, a natural there in that I mindset. I completely agree. And there may be teams within Google that do it, uh, but I don't think it's been formalized in the same way those postmortems have. So. And, and so this, this last And by the way, hang on. Uh, and, and I like the word retrospective instead of postmortem because postmortem means somebody died. <laughs> well, but yeah. that, they were doing it when something goes bad, most likely very visibly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's similar to like the discussion about win-loss analysis. 
we almost always say, why did we lose that deal? And very rarely does anybody say, why do we win deals? And it seems to me, you know, the knowing why you win deals is even more important. I think the, it, it, the, the distinction with the postmortem is you're trying to figure out how we would never, this would never happen again, ever. Yeah. You know, so that's the, the whole goal of that is that, okay, we acknowledge this mistake, but how are we making it so this will never happen again? Where retro is a, is a, is kind of like different. It's a, it, as you said, Steve. It's a it's a different type of thing, and I I completely agree that we should be doing postmortems when something completely you know falls on its face, but retros are a different different animal mm -hmm. at totally. the product it's, level and even at the execution level. It just they're just very fair enough. Yeah, it's it's uh the postmortem is a loss avoidance yeah. uh, set of Risk behaviors. It's in, and so Steve, you had covered what I my comment had been about the win loss about the postmortem. We often tend to do it, and I had not, not never thought about it in that way when it comes to uh, retrospectives or postmortems. Greg, I'm going to let you just continue the thinking. I, uh, you know, I could have I could have put three pages worth, and if you haven't no, read no. Greg's full answer on the community, I suggest you go check it out. Uh, but to me, I feel like we found a subject matter expert on retrospectives. So, Greg, the floor is yours. Oh man, subject matter expert. We ought to be able to flash that on a screen. Yeah, don't, leave, don't, you know? don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> now going to our subject matter expert. Oh God. Um, it was so the I, first I think time that... I actively reached out to somebody to say, hey, you're going to be on the call, right? <laughs> <laughs> so from a, from a, my experience is that the retros are kind of at a different, at multiple different levels. Are you talking tactical, like release by release by release, tactical? retro where you have your teams get together and you ask the, the standard three questions, you know, what did we do well in this release? What did we, you know, did we do poorly on this release and what should we stop doing? And then recording mm -hmm. those and, and, and memorializing each one of those. So it's a, it's a continual improvement amongst the teams. And then at an enterprise level, you really want to share that, that information. So that's a kind of a tactical thing. And then as you're going along, you know, and what I'm writing here is that, you know, on a, a program increment, if, if you're at the program increment levels like quarterlies, this is a product thing. So you're kind of bringing it up and, and kind of merging strategy and tactics at the same time. It's like, okay, what did we actually accomplish during this entire, you know, increment, either quarterly or how, however you want to do it, it doesn't matter. The monthly, quarterly doesn't matter. So, you know, what did we actually do well as a product team um, with our partners, with business and our stakeholders and things like that? And how can we improve this? It's a little bit different. And then, you know, Jason, you said, you know, like, you know, we like to do this into, you know, January, which I can, I can fully appreciate. Um, but what I have observed is that using the dead time of December, because so many companies that I've worked with, you will not release in December, period. Yeah, your why would your you? Your technology teams will kill you if you're going to release like, you know, after the after the second you know, week of December, you are dead meat if you're thinking mm -hmm. about trying to release something. So that take I take those times um, at the at more, bring it even higher strategy levels of like, okay, what's the business trying to do? You know, we've gone through, um, you know, all of the, you know, business planning, what's my budget's going to be for next year, blah, blah, all that stuff. So now I take that time 
to kind of sit back with at the strategy level and say, mm -hmm. okay, how did we how did we measure against our successes? You know, we had all these plans to do in in 2020. How do we do? What are we going to do? Because then I take that time with my teams to kind of do that and, and bring in stakeholders and, and, you know, the CTOs and all those guys and say, what are we doing going to do better to meet the goals that now that we've all agreed to for 2021. And, you know, as Grant, you said that just January, everybody's off to running. So you got your, you as a product guy are like busy as all get out with the sales guys. You're, you're down and dirty. Yeah. And so it gets really kind of like, you know, you have maybe the first two weeks in January and then you're off to the races. Yeah. Tom, I'm going to put you on deck because you haven't commented yet, but I want to ask you a question, Greg, you've got a, you know, you come from a more development engineering background, at least than I do. Do you feel that that type of background puts retrospect values, retrospectives more? Um, yeah, I think so because from a, uh, you know, Steve, you were saying like, okay, what do we do from a sales point of view? That's my, my experience has been, that's actually very rare. I agree. Um, so trying to bring that from a, you know, a technology side, uh, you know, postmortems and bringing it higher um, into the sales team has been really hard. It's I agree. Very hard for, for me to do that. You know, but Greg, forgive me for interrupting, but developers and product managers think system yeah. and salespeople think expedite, do whatever it takes to get it done and then never speak of it again. But I find that developers and product managers look at everything in terms of there ought to be a process for this. Don't you find? Uh, yeah, I agree with, I totally agree with that. And, and you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be preachy or any of that stuff, but it's just, you know, it's, um, but when you actually get the, uh, you know, your teams together as a, as equals and, and actually, you know, sit down with the, with the guys and say, okay, why did we not do something? Um, that opens, that opens a lot of eyes uh, mm -hmm. quickly. Yeah. Um, the one part that is um, painful um, even at the even at the, um, the technology execution, is the you know what should we stop doing thing and mm -hmm. actually not do it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing to say you're going to stop, but you then actually, actually have, have, to, have stop. to stop. Yeah. So yeah, so top, oh, go finish, Greg. And then memory, as you know, as someone was saying, memory is very short. Yeah. Um, well, and sometimes short memory is good, right? Because you made a mistake and you want people to still have confidence to do it. Sometimes short memory is bad because you said we should stop doing something because it had a bad result, yet we forget about that and we keep doing it. Well, <laughs> every company has that one sales guy who never remembers when deals went bad and always makes the bad deals no matter what you do. They always- Kevin. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, Kevin. All right, Tom, Tom, you've been, you've had this chance to take in all this conversation. Uh, I'm looking for something really, really brilliant here. <laughs> oh, now, no you're, now, now you're in trouble. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of dead space there. Um, actually, it really is an interesting conversation. Uh, kind of um, puts into words a lot of the processes or thoughts that uh, have 
been, you know, that I've, I've been part of for some, some time. As far as the, the uh, frequency of the retrospectives, you know, as far you know, for me, uh, the products I've been on, we've done them at the end of a release. Mm-hmm. And to the point that, you know, if they're never done, releases are never done in December. That's true. Um, that, that's just asking for trouble. Right. Um, so therefore, the retrospectives were never at the end of the year because the release never was. Typically would be targeting spring or summer for that. So it would be off cycle in that regard. Um, and most of the time, the, the releases have been annual in nature. So we'd get annual retrospectives uh, in effect, but again, never at the end of the year, but always at the end of the release. With the context uh, that, that you've been re- in the fintech industry software that runs banks, right? So this was not yeah. just a thing where you push a dot This is a no, big can't. major, almost waterfallish yeah. two-year, you know, one-year, as you said, approach. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't, you know, with the financial institutions, you can't just keep pumping out releases and expect that they're going to take it. Um, I've had clients that have been on versions that have been 15, 20 years old and trying to get them to something that was in the last five years is, is a challenge at times. So they're just not going to take the next one and, and utilize that. So the feedback from them is kind of patchy at times, mm-hmm. but we can't just release every quarter. And there's too much overhead in that and trying to get it out and, and get people to use it. So it's always the annual to 18 month release. And the retrospect is always at the end of that. And then the, you know, the comment about post-mortem, making sure that those two concepts are um, separated uh, is really critical because that post-mortem is more of a case by case analysis as to what happened, as somebody had said, and making yeah. sure we don't do that again. Uh, so it, it's an interesting discussion in that regard, making sure those two are separated, and then what's that frequency of the retrospective? And the the issue that I've had in the past with retrospectives is trying to keep it from turning into a, a bitch session. Um, people show up and just want to complain instead of being constructive. That's not the goal here. Has anyone uh, ever used outside facilitation, somebody outside the team to facilitate? Because I'd never thought about that, but I've seen that happen. And it's sometimes having an outside facilitator. I've seen it work with strategic planning where an outside facilitator helps get people out of the bitch mode. Cause you, you know, you don't have somebody who's biased leading the conversation. I've, I've worked in two organizations that have used safe, which I know in some product management circles is a dirty word. Um, but it, in the, I worked for Aetna in a huge organization like Aetna. Safe actually, I thought worked pretty well, and they did bring somebody from outside of those the safe trains that we were working on in our part of the organization to facilitate retrospectives, and retrospectives were huge things that we did at the end of, at after every release, uh, which we did quarterly. Yeah. Uh, uh, glad to hear somebody's doing that because to Tom's point, I've been in those bitch sessions and I've been able, I, you know, if I'm the head of product or director of product in the, in the case was of these, my, I put my head down and I bull rush through them because I feel like it's a personal thing, not a, but I probably missed stuff at the time back in the day. Let's go to the poll. The poll was how often do you do product and process retrospectives 
Jason, I have to bring you back in on this because not only did you call us on almost prescribing the answer of when you should, because we said end of the year, but also you caught me at a typo here. I said uh, product and product instead of product and process. I appreciate that. What did you vote for? Yeah, I think I put a comment. I voted for um, never, and that's just currently. <laughs> so, so I used to do these, but they weren't really, um, they just weren't really formal. Uh, like I said, yeah, I think formalize, formalizing that process is probably really good to get everybody in line of thinking about things because the worst thing you want, you can be stuck getting pulling people into this uh, process if it's ad hoc and, and they're not really ready for it to kind of bring ideas and and the last thing you want is them to think, oh, after you have this retrospective, oh, here's something else I wanted to talk about. So in giving your product manager some time to kind of clear their head um, and bring that to the, um, the retrospective meetings is probably good. But, um, you know, but in my previous organization, we would do this, but it was more ad hoc and, um, and not as formal. And currently, I don't think we're doing it at all. So... That's why I said never. I, I had said after every release, but then after reading uh, Greg's uh, dissertation, I uh, I started thinking about the fact that I really didn't do it well. It was sort of a we sat down. I you know I bought lunch for the team and we would sort of talk. It wasn't structured. It wasn't and I you know now I if I said anything I probably would change my oh actually I would change my answer to never probably realistically because I really didn't do a retrospective. It wasn't. You know, it was probably more of a, hey, let's shoot the whatever. Uh, we'll get into it where, where I think that mm -hmm. I, I, I'm going to be, I could have evolved my vote to annually. But, uh, you know, uh, Greg, I'd like to get, did you vote on this one? I did not vote. Um, if I were to vote, I would actually put it into after every release in the, yep. very, in the very least. Well, I was realizing I did not have enough options for you because you would have been after every release quarterly and annually. And I think it one of those depends. And I would, you know, and I, I totally agree with Tom is that they, they turn into bitch sessions very quickly. It doesn't matter what level. And that's where you need like the strong, like program manager that is, you know, running it. Or if you can't do it, bring it outside who is just like, guys, this, that's a bitch, move it off, put it onto the parking lot. You guys can deal with it later, you know, type of thing. Let's get constructive, and those that discipline is is hard. It's really hard, and it's and it's a learned um, trait that you have. You just have to do it over and over again, and people learn what's what's constructive and what's a bitch session that goes into the parking lot. You guys, you guys go duke it out in the parking lot. You know, sometime later, yeah. um, and you know the what's the purpose of all of this? Um, and the purpose is always to kind of like improve and grow, as opposed to like you know be personal um, because you just, you know, people will bitch. I mean, it's just something goes wrong. I didn't get what I wanted, you know, blah, blah, all that stuff happens and it happens. It's going to happen. We're, you know, we're in high pressure situations most of the time. Anyway, I would love to get somebody's, you know, uh, I think, you know, with, with John more that, you know, when you have like continuous deployment, you're continuously integrating and continuously deployment. There isn't a concept of like release. It's like, I'm developing, I tested, I deployed like within a day or even within hours. That, that one I think it's really interesting of how, what does a retro mean in that case? So Greg, let's use that as a punt to John. Uh... Just gonna put him on the spot, that's all. 
I think that's the half the point of these calls anyway, um, <laughs> to put people on the spot. So yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting in a land of continuous deployment. You obviously aren't going to do a retro after every release because that would be like half your job would just be retroing these very small things that just happened. Um, but I think anytime you're taking a, you know something that's a, a big chunk, brand new feature, uh, you know, Gmail redesign, whatever the, the big chunks are, epics, if you want to call them that. Uh, after that goes to GA, it's probably a good time to do a retro. And honestly, if I was going to write the script for Google the way that we could do things, it might even be worthwhile to do those things when they go into our dog food population, because that's like 200,000 Googlers that are using something. Yeah. Um, that's a population enough where you could say, all right, what went well, what went poorly? Uh, what, what do we need to stop, start, and continue? Um, before you push it out into the to the world but uh, you know maybe that's just semantic at that point had you um, voted i didn't if i had voted i would have voted for option number six ad hoc <laughs> all right <laughs> paul i know you need to drop off a little bit i want to give you a chance to, did you vote on this if if you didn't what would you vote i ended up not voting um when I was in the safe uh, environments, we did it after every release, which was quarterly. Um, but when I've been in other um, other environments, we've done it annually around like January, February time. Like uh, I know Jason does it, um, or on an as-needed basis if something was just decided was not working well. The post-mortem-ish type. Right. So, all right, Steve. Well, my first reaction is, isn't it interesting how the way you write a survey question colors the answer? Because I read this as how often should you do retros? And you guys all correctly answered the question, which was <laughs> how often do you? Big difference between those two things. Um, I typically have been doing retros at the end of each class. Uh, each workshop that I do. Um, and I do run into a lot of, you know, complaining. And uh, I, if, if I've got one person in particular, and usually I do, I start timing them. And I say, you know what, I'm going to give you three minutes to bitch about this. And when you're done, you know, I'll, I'll give you, a, you know, I'll give you a flag on the play, you know, you've got three minutes to get it out of your system. And then if you ever repeat yourself, I'll call you on that. Uh, and there was one case years ago that Grant's heard this story where they, during the retro, they kept complaining about the underskilled SEs. And, uh, you know, after I heard it three times, I finally said, you know what, I've heard this story. It always reaches the same non-conclusion. So I'm just going to call you on it every time it's, it begins and, and recover the 10 minutes we waste on this topic. And that seemed to go over actually pretty well. And I said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll color code it. You know, that, that bitch about the sales engineers is blue and, you know, complaining about the salespeople discounting too much is green. So, you know, imagine I've got a whole bunch of different colored cards. I can just hold up like a soccer coach would. You anyway. just told me that story yesterday. Oh, well, no wonder it's familiar. I mean, a lot of times you throw me these softballs of stories you think I remember, and I told them 10 years ago, but you remembered them, and I've long forgotten them. So, yeah, so I think we part of it was when teaching a course that you would help create a lot of the, the talk track to, it's stuck in your head. So, and I always attribute everything to, to you on that course, even though probably sometimes it was other people's. So, no, Tom, it's almost always me. Yeah. 
Yeah, Tom, did you vote? If not, what would you have voted for? Tom, I'm sorry, just to interrupt. Uh, Guys, it's been great so far, but I do have a hard stop. I got to drop. Yeah. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good to see you again, Paul. Take care. Uh, no, I didn't vote, and I would have done after every release, but then the qualifier for that is something that you had brought up as well, that the releases, due to the nature of the industry, is going to be annual or so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and Steve, right before you said what you said, I was thinking, oh, we should have, I wonder if we should have said how often should you do? Uh, but I almost no, thought no. I was too redundant to the first question on that. So... I'm going to go out of break out of character or out of template. And well, not, not for me. Drucker is never out of template for me, True. but Greg's dissertation made me think about this wonderful quote from Peter Drucker. Uh, planning is not an event. It is a continuous process of strengthening what works and abandoning what does not of making risk taking decisions with the greatest knowledge of their potential effect. It made me really start thinking about, should retrospectives really be a phase, a stage of strategic or annual planning, right? I've been in strategic planning a lot and we never did retrospectives. We always did planning forward. But if part of planning is that looking back at what worked and what didn't work in evolving, should we be building retrospectives into our annual or strategic planning? That was a big question. I'm inclined time. to say yes to that. I mean, but then, you know, in, in all of my courseware, I always finish with a retrospective in particular. I mean, I'm talking about here's some ways to rethink your, your process uh, and, you know, rethink the way you do stories, rethink the way you do acceptance uh, criteria. Um, so as, as you go through a training, at least, it's like, well, you know, I've given you guys a lot of different ideas which ones are you going to start? Which ones are you going to ignore? I mean, it, it seems like a very natural part of training, but it certainly seems to me a very natural part of strategic planning as well. Yeah, well, I, 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 I will obviously agree with that. Um, <laughs> I think that part of that is looking back on it, it's the look back in order to go forward type of thing, but there's a danger. So the look back of, okay, you know, we said that these were going to be our our objectives and goals for the year. Here's what we said were our, our you know success metrics. Mm -hmm. Were we were we good on those? Were we just opti you know totally optimistic off ball? Um, and how do we get better at that? What are the things that we're missing? You know, our sales guys missing you know information. Are the product guys missing, you know, what's going on in the market and customer interactions? What what are you missing? And that's the, the strategic level as opposed to like tactical. Don't get into the bitch session of like, well, the technology guys didn't execute. It's not, that's not helpful. Well, but I could see, and, and again, I'm looking through this as a lens that I wasn't looking through when I was an executive or a product manager. And, and you know, part of it thinking about, you know, your 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 answer had me thinking a lot of things about this. And I started thinking about, it's not just, we always did the results. We always looked at, you know, our key success factors, whatever were, you know, what revenue growth, what profitability, the, the, the tangible results. But I almost look at this now and saying, as a product leader, I should be thinking about, in my annual planning, I should be thinking about also how am I going to evolve my organization, my team, to make sure we're getting, we're continually getting better. We're learning. 
we're a learning organization and we're continually improving and sharpening the saw, mm -hmm. not just the, you know, market focused parts of it, but the execution part. Those who do not study history. Yeah. Or yeah our, our... Go ahead and finish it, Greg. Yeah. Our, uh, so one of the things that um, has been my unfortunate experience is that, um, you know, in 2019, we wanted to do these things and I'm just picking a year and you guys didn't deliver. Why should I believe that you would do this in 20, you know, the mm -hmm. next number of things in 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Just pick, pick a year. It doesn't matter. Why should I believe you to do this? And that's, you know, how do you derail that conversation? Um, and I think that the, the retrospective part of that, the, the clear retrospectives as, as a partner with your, mm -hmm. your um, will kind of disarm some of that, um, some of that criticisms. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's not a blame. It's not any of those things. It's like, hey, listen, we understand that we missed off on whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, that, you know, here's how we're going to improve going forward. Mm -hmm. How can you help us improve? Mm -hmm. um, because it's just, you know, if you talk to sales guys, you're never good enough. Um, it, it just, it goes on and on and on. So right. how do you actually kind of move the business forward? Mm -hmm. If it's some new innovation you're going to do, some new, you know, technology, new system, whatever, um, going forward, how are you going to achieve those? And that's, I think that's the value of a retro. Um, and, and that's why I say the retros are strategic at that level, not tactical. Mm -hmm. Releases are like tactical. It's interesting because I, I criticize a lot of leadership teams because I feel like their annual or strategic planning is too rear view mirror. They're looking at what's happening, you know, what are our sales trends? What, are, you know, what have our numbers look like? Not what's changing in the market understanding. And I, I, I challenge them to become more market focused. You look into the future based on the trends in the market and, and anticipation of that type of stuff. But I, this is a place where, to me, the retrospective is really good about how do we, it's ourselves and our own performance about how do we execute, you know, strategy, tactics, execution, how do we do that process? So, I, you know, it's opened my eyes to think broader about the key aspects to be thinking about in the strategic annual planning. I, you know, John, Jason, any thoughts on retrospectives as part of strategic annual, or, strategic or annual planning? Yeah, I think the uh, the retro is good for, I mean, you said all three levels, but I think particularly for the execution level of things, um, I think retros are extremely useful and and, and like uh, business capability building, right? Uh, mm -hmm. What capabilities do you need to improve upon going forward? Which ones are great? Uh, you know, invest in your strengths, uh, shore up your weaknesses, that kind of thing. So I think the retros are great for that. Um, but I think that you always have to be, especially strategically, uh, skating to where the puck is going to be. Thank you, Wayne Gretzky, um, for the, for that. You can you know, say that now facing. that you're in Toronto. Or, oh, you can't say Wayne Gretzky, but you can talk hockey. I can talk yeah. hockey. Um, so yeah, that's that's my view on it, and it definitely should be a part of everybody's process. And probably, in a sad number of cases, is not. Yeah. Tom or Jason, any last thoughts on this one before we move to the next question? So I'm kind of. Um... I really like to pat my own back, especially in large strategic meetings with executives um, from a product standpoint. So retrospectives is a great way of doing that. Certainly there's opportunities of improvement, but when you're talking about um, strategic or annual product planning, 
you know, what did we do that were that was really great from a product standpoint? You guys have said this earlier. What did we deliver? How did that impact our customers? How did that impact our market? Any kind of KPIs or goals? And really use that as a platform to drive inspiration to for the for the planning process for next year and also to um, allow us to challenge ourselves to deliver more and be greater than we were the year before. But then and that really supports what Greg was saying earlier. I mean, if you say, hey, look, we set out this year to make 18 million in revenue and we made 18.5. So obviously we've done something right. And you can trust me when I say this year, we're going to do 21 million. So your track record supports the conjecture that you, you are worth listening to. The, the interesting part is that, you know, I worked in, I worked in multiple industries. So I worked actually in consumer and industrial electronics. So the other side of that is if you made um, 18.5 million and you said you're going to make 18 million, there's actually a bigger conversation about, okay, wait a minute, you made an extra, you know, you made extra money. Why did you do that? What was what were the drivers to actually make more than you planned? Mm -hmm. um, and it's not a negative. It's like okay, you you know, what did you, you do? You, right? missed, you missed your targets. So you know, there's percentages and all that stuff. Did you miss your targets? So that that that's a Drucker thing in innovation entrepreneurship. He talks about signs for innovation. One of them is unexpected success. Uh, unexpected success. One of them is unexpected failure. And so if you don't look at that, right now, maybe 500,000 on an 18 million base isn't big enough. I've heard some people use plus or minus 3%. Uh, I've had sales leaders who say, if my sales team does not come within plus or minus 3% and their goals and, and, and their projections of what they're going to do, they're doing it wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, 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 I like the fact that Greg, that you've been in a place where people actually did do that because I think it's very valuable to, to, to ask those questions, right? The unexpected success and the unexpected failure. So it's not just the post-mortem. So Tom, any thoughts on this before we move forward? Um, yeah, not a lot. Just, you know, I, I you know, clearly agree with whatever everybody's saying, but <laughs> sadly, you know, I wish the strategic planning for, for my experience and what I've involved is I wish strategic or retrospectives were involved in strategic planning or the annual planning process. It would really shed more light on that planning process to ask the next question, which again, sadly, it was frequently never asked of how are we going to do it? Yeah, mm -hmm. It's just thrown up and said, this is what we're gonna do. And there, there wasn't any thought as to, well, how? You've never done that before. Mm -hmm. um, and the retrospective might give some insight into that, maybe get them to start asking the question of how. I'm going to go off on a tangent here, which Steve and I often do. I, I was doing some research on D-Day. I was trying to use it as a strategic planning uh, story. And I had remember learning about uh, the failure of the try to invade through Dieppe. Uh, the Canadian forces went into Dieppe and their communication was cut off and the shores, the grade on the shores was too high and the sand was too soft and the things got stuck in it. But all of the allied commanders looked at everything that went wrong there and then used it to make D-Day actually work. So they actually sent ge uh, geologists undercover into Normandy to actually start 
doing cores of the soil, had people sending them postcards from their trips to Normandy to see what the geography looked like and see if they could get, have places to make shift uh, landing gear. So retrospectives are were one of the keys for the success of D-Day. So if hmm. it's good enough for that, right, everybody should be doing it. So good enough for Ike, it's good enough for me. Exactly. All right, next question. Where do you think retrospectives provide the most value? Process improvement, product improvement, or something else? And I have to lead with Greg on this one because he's again our uh, dissertation subject matter expert on. Well, you have to finish your sentence so Greg knows it's time to talk. Yeah. Time to talk, Greg. Exactly. Um... So, um, okay, I think it's yes. So, um, unfortunately, so at the, pro at the tactical level, it's process improvement, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, what did we do well? You know, how did we work together as a team? All those things. Um, it's a process thing, but at a, at a more of a release and, and, you know, quarterly or strategic or whatever, it's more of a product improvement type of thing, like, did we, did we actually do what we said we were going to do? Did we actually achieve our goals that we set in place in the beginning? And if we didn't, why didn't we? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, go, and go forward from there. All right. Jason, I'm going to turn to you because I feel like me giving all this attention to Greg may have you a little disappointed because you, normally you get my jokes. Uh, What's your take on this process, product, or something else? <laughs> um, that's pretty funny. Um, so I actually am kind of curious on what we're talking about with product improvement retrospective. Because, you know, I see, um, and Greg, this is what you were talking about. I see us delivering on what we were planning to deliver is part of our process, right? So it's part of our, our, our planning process, our presentation process. And then our process of delivery. And so I feel like even at the tactical level, that's all part of process. So when we say a retrospective on product improvement, the, I, I don't know, maybe you can shed some light, Grant, on what we're talking about specifically there. For me, it was thinking about results, right? So I can get more efficient through my process. And maybe the whole story is that they're all tied together. You get more efficient through your process to get better results from your product in the, in the, in the market. Uh, so where is the where does the most value come from? Streamlining the internal processes or improving the uh, individual product results? It's or kind of like else. a it's kind of like a funnel, like a marketing funnel though, right? Like you yeah. you can pour more into the top, so you can try to uh, you know fill the funnel more, or you can fix the conversion points. So if you fix your process improvement, you're ultimately gonna get better products out the other side, is ah. how I kind of look at it. Actually, it makes a ton of sense. And actually, I was thinking when Greg was talking that a third, a something else I would go to is individual contributor improvement, right? Mm -hmm. Because through retrospective, it's a chance that, and that almost goes the top of the funnel, right? Individual contributor process, you know, it all comes through. Uh, how do we do that? Uh, but I can see how that could happen. Steve, I'd love to get your take. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm very much a process guy in this story. Um, and the fact that, you know, I suppose if you lo looked at uh, um, like product track record, that would still be part of the process. 
uh, it would be helpful to look at your OKRs or, you know, we, we estimated 18 million and how did that work? And the rest of that story that I didn't tell was I turned in my 18 million number and my boss said, uh, I think you're sandbagging. I think you can do 30. And I went, oh, see, I used a spreadsheet. <laughs> I didn't just pull a number out of my air. I mean, I was so livid. And the, the, certainly the next, and it was interesting. I, I moved on. Uh, my replacement called me one day and said, where did you come up with this 30 million number? And I, I, and I said, well, how'd you do? She said, oh yeah, we did 18.3 against your 18. And I went, yeah, that was my number. And she, and, and she said, where'd you come up with your number? And I said, you still work for her. Um, but it, it occurs to me as we were talking about this whole thing, kind of taking this a whole different direction, is I think that retrospectives are another symptom of the fact that we simply do not know how to have meetings. Um, I, I've been rereading Death by Meeting, which my, my first time I read it, this is by Patrick Lencioni. First time I read it, I thought it was gonna be, you know, meetings suck, don't go to them. Uh, but what really happens is we're never in the right meeting. You have a retrospective and somebody else says, well, hmm, you know, I don't like the way we do bug tracking. And you're like, dude, that is not this meeting. Call another meeting for that. But this is a strategy meeting. Uh, and so, you know, daily standups turn into strategy meetings, strategy meetings turn into operational meetings. And so if you're having that problem, and I think we all are on uh, as we are virtual, it's amazing how many meetings I've been in over the last few months where they have a very clear object, uh, outline and yet they're all over the place in terms of topic. And, you know, it's not my meeting, so I can't really wave a flag and say, hey, flag on the play here. But nonetheless, uh, if you're struggling with meetings, and I think retrospectives is a really good example of one of those meetings that's gotten derailed, um, get everybody in the leadership team a copy of Death by, uh, Death by Meeting. There's a couple, I'm actually rereading the effective executive by Drucker, which talks about a lot of that same stuff. And mm -hmm. if you haven't read traction or scaling up Fern Harnish, uh, and I can't Gina Wickman traction, the whole concept of rocks in the daily meet in the weekly meeting and, you know, great way for, for managing meetings that way. There's some really good advice on meetings there, Tom, before we move on to our rapid fire round to end, yeah. any thoughts on this? Yeah, yeah. Um, the retrospectives from a process versus product improvement is is an interesting question in that um, both should be done. Um, what I again, my my specific experience is a retrospective around products frequently wasn't done. Mm -hmm. It may not align with the same timeline as the full release. It may be. Um, a release delayed that you start to look at specific products and that's more of a nature of, of the, the industry that I'm in, but looking at which products hit the mark, which improvements hit the mark, um, where should you be spending your money, which do people really pick up on that doesn't get done as often as it should and it doesn't get done. If it is, it's not done necessarily, honestly, um, but the process retrospective 
it, I mean, starting with that, you need to understand that process and what went wrong because that is going to impact your product improvements. I might not get the product done because the process isn't working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then I've got to come back later and see, okay, the, the product improvements we did make, what worked and what didn't. You just, Tom, made me think about something. Uh, in the Heath brothers, in one of their books, uh, Decisive, talked about how process is more important than analysis by a factor of six when decision-making. And it seems like the one of the consensuses we're having here is process is probably a factor of six more important than product when it comes to the retrospective and how you improve it. Because if you, you, you can improve the, the, improving the process is key to improving the product. If you can't Agreed. improve the process, how do you improve the product? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, just- If, you, if you have a good process, regardless of what it is, if, it, if it's working and it's smooth, you get a lot done on the product. You don't have to worry about the process and what's going on and trying to correct that all the time. You can just focus on product. Mm-hmm. What was that quote from Cooper and Edget, Steve? Uh, was it the one about repeat? Uh, oh, hang on. Simply I rem- having I'm, a process? Simply having a process is itself a best practice. And in, in my research around this, I'm astounded at how many people describe their pro- their process as ad hoc. Yeah. And, you know, they look at SAFE and they go, oh my gosh, that's so overwhelming. And it is. But, you know, it, it, but when you're coming from, we just do whatever the hell we want is our process, then I can see how SAFE would be, you know, a little too much. I think, that, I think um, you're also, even, you should also take, a, take into account that, you know, the process needs to fit with what you're trying to do. Yeah. Also true. Yeah. Also true. All right. So and for some of the companies I work with, you know, they need a really lean process and others, they, you know, they've got big risks involved or a lot of unknowns involved and they need a lot, uh, you know, a lot more process. And I, I think that one of the rants I, I, I'm sure I make periodically is every organization is unique and somebody else's process doesn't fit your organization. You're unique. And I mean that in the nicest of ways. Um, So we need to dial up exact, you know, what is the right level of process for you? It needs to be more than a cocktail napkin, uh, but maybe less than something that was designed by a committee. And that's why retrospectives are so important because it's it's all shades of gray, right? Mm -hmm. When teaching product management, it's like, I'm going to teach you black and white. You got to find the right shade of gray for your organization and how you do it. So I decided to have fun with this last rapid fire question. And so we're going to do a retrospective for retrospectives. And the question for each of you, and Jason, you are to my right. So I'm going to start with you. So start thinking about it. Yep. (laughs) The other right. Uh, How will you change your approach to retrospectives after this week's topic and conversation? So we do a lot of of strategic planning on a yearly basis. So I think that after this uh, conversation today, I will uh, do my best to get retrospectives as a part of that conversation and looking backwards for you know what we did for the year and what went well what what could have been improved um before we start talking about the future because i think that really provides a good tone um, for us uh, as we're talking about our strategy for the next year or two awesome greg i think one of the things that i would look at is the you know adapting the retrospective to what we're trying to accomplish 
um, is where I would look, I would go after right, you know, right away. So asking the question, I think Steve, you were kind of alluding to that is like, what are we trying to get out of this um, first? And then adapting, you know, what, you know, so now you can actually move things to parking lots, things like that rather rapidly, um, you know, and, and being very clear with the team before the meeting shows up. Awesome. Tom. Um, actually, um, for the current position I've got, nothing will change. It, it may change with a different position um, as things evolve over the next year, but right now, as it stands right now, it, it wouldn't change anything. Is that outside of your control? Uh, nature of the company, the size of the team, and what we're doing um, just doesn't lend itself to some of the things we've talked about here. Now, if it was back at Fiserv, um, there might be some changes to that approach. Yeah, that, that's fair. Steve. You want to go to John? I'll go to John. Okay. Well, I was just going in order. I'm looking left to right. So. Okay. Well, I was like, on, on my screen, John is next. <laughs> that's why I was so startled. <laughs> John, go ahead. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the, I think what, I'll, what I will do as a result of this conversation is we already do OKRs. Uh, yearly and quarterly OKRs, and then score them on a quarterly basis. I think if we just rolled in some of the retrospective concepts into that OKR scoring, uh, I think that would be the right amount of process to start easing us into this. I think that probably would work really well. Awesome. Cool. Steve? Well, I think that we should all be learning all the time. So I think the retrospective is a way of bringing that to a focal point. Uh, but as a result of this conversation, I feel the need to write an article for the website. So that's what I will do with today's conversation. And I'll quote Greg frequently. <laughs> it's going to be footnotes <laughs> to Greg's post. Uh, I, I think building on what Steve and, and John and everybody said, for me, when you're, I will definitely build the importance of retrospectives. I'm working with a software company to help them build out their process. And, and for me, retrospectives is now going to move higher up uh, into my vision there. But with when it comes to myself or myself and Steve, I think I need to do retrospectives myself. I tend to get caught in rabbit holes. Uh, and it, the better I can learn why and how, the better I can improve my own results. Right. Uh, so I think that I'm going to take the concept of retrospectives to, you know, that day where I'm like, all of a sudden I started something at nine and it's four o'clock and I'm, I'm that far down. I'm like, oh, wait, I just lost a whole day. Take that last hour to say, okay, what, where did I get off path? Where did I not do it? Mm -hmm. So uh, one for my consulting and one for my personal, uh, we'll, we'll do that. So Greg, I appreciate the inspiration you brought. Uh, for this call, uh, you are now my go-to on retrospectives. Okay. Uh, I, <laughs> and uh, you know, Jason, Tom, and John, thank you for joining Steve and I on this wonderful call on retrospectives. As you guys know, on Mondays we post uh, the open-ended question uh, in the community. On Wednesdays we've got the poll, and on Fridays we have this call. So, Jason, Greg, Tom, John, Steve, as always, thank you for being one of the highlights of my week on this call. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. It's been great. Good session. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to the Business of Product Topic of the Week brought to you by Product Growth Leaders. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. And for more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversation, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.